Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Life Church live feed on Sunday. This is Palm Sunday. It is one week before Christians traditionally celebrate the Easter uh, holiday, Resurrection Sunday. And so welcome to Palm Sunday with Grace Life Church. Um, I hope that you are able to make whatever technology that you're using work, whether it's Facebook Live or whether it is the YouTube channel or whether you just are on our website and have clicked on the live feed there. Welcome. We're thankful that you're able to join us and we're going to uh, sing some songs in a few minutes. Kyle Judkins, <clears throat> one of our worship leaders, is going to come and lead us in worship. Uh, but before he does that, I just want to pray and then I want to read a portion of the scripture that we're going to be talking about a little bit later. So please join me in praying and, and let's just invite God to help us to all hit the pause button, whether you're sitting on your couch in your living room, whether you're outside, whether you're just listening, hopefully not watching in your car. Uh, we're thankful that you're here. So let's pause and, and pray. Lord, thank you so much for the, the blessing, Lord, of technology. Every good gift comes from above, and we include that in, the, in that catalog of, of blessings that you give us. Even though we can't gather together face-to-face -to -face right now, Lord, and we're feeling more and more the heaviness of, of that effect. And, Lord, we confess you made us for, for yourself, and you made us for one another. And we are better together, and we are feeling the just the heaviness and the effect of not being able to do that. And so help us to maximize the opportunities you give us to gather together via live stream like this, Lord. And I pray this technology works. People can see, they can hear, they're not distracted or interrupted. And uh, be with Kyle as he comes and leads us in worship in a few minutes. And uh, be with me as I preach and be with all of our watchers and listeners, Lord. Unite our hearts to fear you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at Psalm 33, and I just want to read the first few verses there because uh, there's some really heavy theology, uh, theology. There's some heavy theological truth in this psalm, uh, and the way that the psalmist, the writer, it's anonymous. We don't know who wrote Psalm 33, but the way he invites us to process it is by singing it, and I just love that because truth is not just meant to be seen and to be studied and to even be memorized. Um, it's 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 intended to be relished and enjoyed. Just like if you see something that's so powerful and so beautiful and you're swept up in that beauty in that moment and you're taken in by it, your heart just wants to sing. That's what art is. It's, it's just a, a way that you are expressing your appreciation of something. So let me read these verses and then Kyle's gonna come and help us relish the truth we're gonna study today. Here it is, Psalm 33, just the first few verses here. Shout for joy in the Lord. O oh, you righteous, praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. So Kyle, you come and play skillfully on the strings, and we'll provide the loud shouts. Right?
we thank you that you sent your one and only son from heaven, God, to die for our sins on the cross, Lord. The penalty that we deserved, you took with heart full of love, God. We thank you for that. We thank you that you, you paid it all, God. And I pray as we sing this next song that you help us remember that, Lord. And let us just sing out in joy and praise in Jesus' name.
blessed assurance, God. I thank you that we, we have a hope, Lord, that, that we can hold on to, God, and we have a promise that we can hold on to and that will come true, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that all this craziness going on in the world today, Lord, I pray that that just makes us long for heaven even more, God. And I just pray that we, we be filled with the excitement that one day we'll be in heaven where there will be no more sickness or pain, God. And uh, I just pray that you present us opportunities to share our hope with, with those who don't have hope, Lord, those who are scared, Lord. Let us be the light in our communities, God, pointing everyone towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be reading the scripture for today, which is out of Psalm 33. We're going to be reading the whole chapter. It says, Shout for, the, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the, with the lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song and play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap and he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all, the, let all the earth fear the Lord, and let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nations whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven, and he sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of, of them all and observes all their needs. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war, the war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord, and he is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Keep your Bible open if you have a copy to Psalm 33, or if you're on a device, you can keep your device, scroll to that place. That's where we're going to be spending the rest of our time together. This is, this is part two, actually. We have uh, started last week just to take a look at Psalm 33, and there's so many amazing truths in there that uh, I believe God wants to captivate us, so we decided to take just a couple of weeks to do that. So, uh, so Psalm chapter 33... Last week was part one, and today is, is part two. And we've entitled this God Is, because really at the heart of this psalm is you're going to find the character of God, who he is, what he's like, what, what's he doing in all of this, where are we headed, and what our response should be. It's really a psalm about worship. So um, today, as, as I mentioned earlier, is Palm Sunday, and that's one week before we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Easter. And... Uh, 
That's why we have the, the beautiful palms that the Hendricks family put above us back here to, to commemorate that. But Palm Sunday commemorates, as you know in the Bible, it, what we call the triumphant entry, the triumphal entry. When Jesus walked into Jerusalem the last week of his earthly life, he was going there for Passion Week. Jesus was riding uh, the, the colt of a donkey humbly as a king of peace. He was walking into Jerusalem to, to what he knew was going to be his death, his execution, his murder, to, uh, to ransom the world from, from their slavery to sin. And so we commemorate that. That's what Palm Sunday, for those of you that wonder, what's this Palm Sunday talk all about? It's about us commemorating Jesus walking into Jerusalem to the shouts and the cheers of all the people, and they would take palm branches and they would lay in front of Jesus for him to walk on, and they would shout out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And here's what's interesting to me as we look at this psalm and as we've got a pandemic going on and we're celebrating Palm Sunday today, all those people had expectations for Jesus. They had plans for, for him that week, right? His enemies were going to trap him. Um, his followers were going to crown him. But everybody's plans went askew, didn't they? Everybody's expectations were pretty much shattered, whether it was with disappointment or whether it was anger. Only one person's plans stood firm that week, and it was the plan of, of Almighty God. And it shocked everybody else, whether it was Jesus walking into the, the temple the same day that he walked into Jerusalem, and he overturned the money changer's table. You remember that? And he, got, he ran out all the, the false religious leaders, and that shocked everybody and disappointed everybody. Or whether it was Jesus telling uh, Peter when Peter said, Lord, you, you can't go and die. You can't do that. Far be this from you. And Jesus taking him aside and rebuking him and saying, get behind me, Satan. You're mindful of the things of men and not the things of God. So everyone's plans were disrupted that week. And it's interesting to me as we look at this psalm, it seems like if they would have, they had this psalm, all the disciples back then when Jesus walked into Jerusalem, they had this psalm and all the many other psalms. And it probably would have helped them understand what God was doing if they would have, if they would have paid closer attention to it. Um, only God's plan stood firm. And listen, I believe Psalm 33 is a psalm that can really help us to make sense of our lives right now. That's what I really want to invite you to do. I think I'd be a fool. Any pastor right now would be a fool to not at least reference what's going on and, and what should our response be. How, how should we think about that? I think this psalm really invites you to think more deeply about your life. And this pandemic is the perfect opportunity. Uh, I was telling my friends earlier, you know, back in the day, <laughs> way back in the day, in ancient times, really when this passage would have been written, it was, it, was, uh, it was traditional for towns to have a castle or for, for fortresses to have a lookout tower. That's what we'll call it, okay? This tall, erected, probably made out of granite or stone, and it would, it would be elevated high up above both the castle, the village, and, and the surrounding lands, landscape. And that watchtower served this purpose. Whenever there was an invading army coming or, or an imminent threat, somebody was always up in the lookout tower. They were always up there in the watchtower watching, observing, and they were able to get a fair, uh, fair warning and be able to sound the alarm, ring the bell, invasion coming. But when the invasion did come and war ensued and people are you know, having this epic battle down on the ground level, that watchtower served another really good purpose. It served for perspective. If you're down at ground level, maybe ground zero, and you're engaged in this bloody battle, and you can't see 
but just a few spaces in front of you, and it looks like you're overwhelmed. You're getting beat down. It looks like defeat is imminent. You're exhausted. You're tired. You're frustrated. You can't see your commanding officer. You can't see the people that were just in the foxhole with you a few minutes ago. And you know what you need? You need perspective. So sometimes a soldier would go up to that watchtower in the middle of a battle that was blazing, and he would get the big picture. He would be able to look out and see, okay, I see the allied forces. They're coming. Reinforcements are on the way. Our friends from a neighboring town are coming to help us. He would get the big picture. He would get perspective. And he would go back down the tower steps, and he would re-engage in the battle. But he wouldn't be the same. He would be different. He would be different because he had a different perspective. Nothing had changed, really. Uh, same battle, same swords, same weapons, same enemy. But he knew something they didn't. And so he wasn't overwhelmed anymore. And I'm telling you right now that I believe in my heart of hearts that this psalm can serve like a watchtower for us. This is a place where God is inviting all of us. Like, look, I know it's pandemonium right now. There is a pandemic. You know what that word means, by the way? Pan uh, means all and uh, demi means people. All people are being affected by this globally, everywhere. There is not one person on the face, well, maybe there is an Aborigine tribe somewhere in African rainforest. I don't know, that may have be a true statement. But listen, most of the people in our circles everywhere are being impacted by this. And it's pandemonium, man. It it's, feels like the inmates are running the asylum. And if we're not careful, man, we'll lose perspective. And God is inviting us, look, come up these tower steps with me. I wanna give you the big picture. As a matter of fact, in your own time, you can go read the book of Habakkuk because Habakkuk was freaking out because he was praying for a revival and instead God sent an invasion from the Babylonian army and Habakkuk is like, what the heck are you doing, God? This is not what I prayed for. And God said, come up to the watchtower and talk to me. And Habakkuk did in chapter two. You can go check that out. That's another sermon for another day. He, he got perspective and he was never the same. In fact, that's the chapter in the Bible that we get this amazing declaration that the just shall live by faith that sparked, you know, that's the gospel pretty much. And that came from a person getting perspective above the, the fray, above the battle. And so I think that that is what this Psalm is really doing. It's inviting us to come and get a perspective. Um, and listen, you won't be the same once you've been up to the tower and gotten your perspective. You can go back down and you can fight the good fight, but listen, you're not gonna be overwhelmed with the battle. And isn't that where a lot of us are right now? Even followers of God, we get overwhelmed by this, man. We've gotten the perspective of all the news outlets. We have that. And, and the media and the, the, talking, the talking heads on, on TV and the news pundits, we get the perspective. We know and we get it. This is a big deal. Um, I'm not downplaying that at all or trivializing that or diminishing that. It's true and we need to be safe. But God's perspective, how much more important is that for us, especially right now to get that? And I believe this psalm and look, many other psalms you could go to and you could get that perspective. So... I wanna invite you to come to the tower with me and let's get God's perspective. One of my favorite reformers was Martin Luther and his best friend, Philip Melanchthon, had a tendency to be melancholic and to be anxious and apprehensive. And right at the peak of the Reformation, when it seemed like all the forces of Satan were attacking Martin Luther and he actually felt personally attacked by Satan and his friend, Philip Melanchthon, would get all anxious. He would say, come, Philip, come. Let's sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his worst. And they would sing those truths about be still and know that I am God and, and God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And though the mountains be moved and cast into the sea, I will not fear and I, not, and I will not be shaken. See, those truths are made to be sung, to be celebrated and to be relished. So I, I, I want to tell you something else right now, okay? 
this is what the world thinks of Christians. You already know this. I'm going to remind you. The world thinks that we are just, oh, bless their heart, which I come from the South. You know what that means? You stupid. That's what it means. Seriously, bless your heart. Oh, you're stupid. You're naive. You're, you're blinded to reality. That's what people think about Christians. Christians just don't get it. They're not living in reality. They go into their stained glass prisons and they hold hands and they close their eyes and they just wish the worries and the evils of the world away. That's what the world thinks about believers, that we are just naive. They're saying, you're living in a, in a pandemic. How can you worship God? And I would say, because we've been to the tower, my friend. We've been to the tower and God's given us his perspective. And if you had that perspective, you would be able to sing too. You could have peace during a pandemic. You could get anchored and get stabilized and find your center of gravity again. Because listen, I said this last week, and I, I, I have just prayed. This may seem like more of a prophetic message. It may seem like it's more in your face, but I don't mean it to be that way. I just, I want God to speak. I want God's voice to be heard. Everywhere you go in the Bible, you can't help but bump into a command, do not be afraid. It's everywhere. But listen, so often we, we, we cringe at that and we're like, I don't like that because I am afraid. I am fretting. And I am worrying for my health, for the economy, for a lot of things. How can God say that? But listen, so often if we're not careful, we're going to be dismissive of a, of a tremendous promise that's usually anchored to that command. Just about, you, you go test this. Just about anywhere in the Bible, you find the command, do not be afraid. If you dig deep enough, you're going to find plenty of reasons to not be, all right? Because God never commands you to do something without giving you ample reasons to do it or to stop doing it. It's one of my children loves sunflower seeds, just the seeds. They don't like the whole, they don't like the shell. And I'll go get a bag of, I try my best. I get barbecue flavor. I get all these amazing flavors. And I'm like, here, try this. And she's like, daddy, I don't like the seed though. I don't, I don't like the whole. I don't like trying to, I don't like the labor and the work of getting rid of that shell. And I'm like, well, then you're never going to go get the, the seed inside. Sometimes those, pro sometimes the command to not be afraid, it's like the outside of the sunflower seed. You've got to dig around and find the context, man, so that you can enjoy that meaty seed on the inside. So I think this psalm is, it doesn't say do not be afraid, uh, but the whole context is here's a way that you can live with a fundamental confidence and not fear moving forward in the world because you're seeing things about God uh, that are going to help you. And so another word of context here, as we go up to this tower and look, this is not, a passing glance is not going to be enough. It's not going to do you, Okay. You're going to need to hang out for a while. And just the things that I've seen in the last month, and I'm sure you've seen them too, is this. Drive-by theology is not going to help you during this time, friends. I'm just telling you, if you, are, if you go to a church or, or if your understanding of God in the Bible is just really light and shallow and trivial and it's not weighty and heavy where it can anchor you, like right now we're in this storm, and if you're a sailboat and if in the hole of the ship, You've got just pillows and fluff and feathers. These waves are going to knock you all over the place. You need some lead down there. You need something weighty and heavy to anchor your heart and to settle your mind and to renew you. So we're not going to do any drive-by theology. We're going to just sit, and we are going to look and behold God. That's what we need to do right now. We need to really behold God. I have never in my life met anybody, and I'm including myself, where I just thought, you know what? You really just have too high of an opinion of God. Have you, if you have, you can text me later or comment. Have you ever met anybody that's like, dude, you just give God way too much glory? <laughs> you know, I've seen the opposite. I've seen people that give mankind way too much glory and power and dominion, right? Or they give the church 
too much authority or power or ascribe too much majesty or themselves, honestly. <laughs> they think way too highly of themselves and way too lowly of God. That's why Psalm chapter 50, I think verse 20, God rebukes the reader and he says, you thought that I was like you and I'm not. And that's good news for you that I'm not like you, right? And so this is this Psalm, it's just like a tower and we're gonna go up these steps and we're gonna get God's perspective and uh, I'm going to give you some good news, okay? We, we started last week. This is, this is basically our outline. Three uh, points of good news that are going to help stable you and, and anchor your heart. And I, I told our staff the other day, you know, and I would pray this for every pastor and every Christian leader. I hope right now that pastors are asking themselves really hard questions like this, like I'm asking myself. I've been a pastor for 15 years. I've been a church planner for five of those years. And it seems like our church has attracted people who have some hurt in their history, who have been maybe sat under bad teaching, whether it was legalistic or whether it was just abusive in its application, or whether the, the, the arms and fingers of the church extended too far, uh, or whether just people really had a shallow view of God. A lot of those people found their way to our church. And I'm asking myself, have I equipped those people and given them the view that this psalm gives us of God so that they can withstand all the forces of a pandemic like this? I'm asking myself that question. And maybe if you're a grace lifer and you're watching right now, you would have the answer. I don't know, I hope I can handle it. I, I hope as your pastor that I'm giving you not dry by theology, not fluff. I wanna give you heavy weighty stuff like this Psalm does, you know? I don't wanna just be clever, you know? I, I wanna reach and use every illustration and application I can to help you help the truth get Velcroed to your heart and mind so you don't forget it. But I don't want to trivialize God, man. God is, God's the, after all the dust settles, that's all we have left is God and our view of him. A.W. Tozer said this. He said the most important thing that ever enters the mind of a human being is the first thought they have when they think of God. That's the most important and weighty thing in your life, friend. Whether you're a Christian or not, that's the most weighty thing in your life. So when we think of God, what do we think of? This psalm tells us exactly what we should think of, and so... Sorry, that's a really long introduction, but uh, so three pieces of news to stabilize your heart. It's my job to help you. As a pastor, my job is to help you to not be afraid, to not be fearful. I know those are natural emotions that a lot of us are experiencing and, and mingled with grief because I'm starting to know people now who have lost loved ones to COVID-19. And listen, it's okay to be sad. It's right for you to grieve. Even if you believe, and you should because he is, that God is sovereign, it's right to weep. Jesus came to the, to the side of the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And you know what he did? He wept. Even though he knew five minutes later there was going to be a party because he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus still wept and showed sympathy and empathy. And it's right for us to do that too. Um, and at the same time, I want to give you three truths, three truths to anchor your heart. Um, in fact, you're going to find these all over the place in the Bible, okay? When we think about who God is and what is he like, there are these three essential truths, okay, that basically summarize all of his character. Um, and you can call them, I call them the three pillars, okay? But you could think of them visually as a, a three-legged stool. And everybody probably has one of those around at your house. It's got three legs. If you take one of those legs off, dude, you're in the floor, right? You need all three of these. None of them are or non, wait a minute. None of them are negotiable, okay? You need all of them. So here they are. Uh, Pillar number one, God is absolutely sovereign, and we talked about that last week. If you don't have a sovereign God, you don't have a biblical God, bro. I'm sorry, you just don't. God's sovereign. 
Two, God is infinite in wisdom. God is infinite in wisdom. Because if he's just sovereign and got all this power, he's like a toddler on steroids, right? <laughs> he can do whatever he wants, but what he wants to do is not good. No, God is, is infinite in his wisdom, and he is absolute in his sovereign, but he is also perfect in his love. And all those three truths together make this, this three-legged stool that you can sit on and, and, and be comfortable. So maybe that's the stool you can sit on as you go up the tower to get your perspective, right? So last week we looked at uh, truth number one from this psalm, that God is sovereign. And I'm not going to rehash all of that. You can go back and, and download the, the video that we did. But, uh, but check this out. Let me read one verse in here that talks about his sovereignty. You know, the, the psalm opens out commanding us to sing, to worship, to praise, use instruments, use a loud voice, relish this truth, be taken in by this truth, and celebrate this truth. And then it gives you all these reasons why. And one of them, if you're reading, uh, if, you're, if you're seeing what this text tells you is that, listen, God is powerful. His word is right. He is in command of all the earth. He is writing history. He's orchestrating history. Listen to this. It says, verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the water of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. And verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. And then this, and we're going to talk about this passage a little bit more. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. I don't know of anybody else that can make that boast. It's like... All the people represented in the entire world, 7 billion people, who can boast of the ability to control their life, their decisions, their plans, to direct them, to orchestrate them. You know, the Bible says that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he, and he navigates it wherever he wishes. He, I mean, God controls the rivers of our hearts wherever he wants. And then it says in verse, verse 13, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of men. Um, he, he's omnipresent, but he's also omniscient. He sees everything. He knows everything that's going on. Verse 14, from where he sits enthroned, he looks out. I don't know, just hit pause there because that's sovereignty. God is looking at all of humanity, but he's not standing up on the edge of his chair, wringing his hands, biting his nails. Okay, If God had nails, he wouldn't be biting them. He's seated. He is settled. He is at peace. He is confident everything is going according to plan. And that sounds crazy right now during a pandemic, but it's true. The Bible says nothing takes God by surprise. He's sovereign. He's writing history. He alone is controlling history to its ultimate conclusion. And that is a, a, that's a declaration that should introduce peace into your heart. I'm so thankful that God is in control of the world because listen, friends, if he's not, you'd be afraid. I'm telling you right now, if I could write the reverse of this psalm, it's, hey, God's clueless as to what's going on, and he's powerless as to what to do about it. So be afraid. Be very afraid. That's a secular worldview, and I cannot imagine trying to survive a pandemic with that view. I can't imagine it. I need to get up in this watchtower, and I need to be reminded of this. God is in the heavens, Psalm 115 says, and he has done whatever he pleased. God is in the heavens, and he's doing whatever he pleases, and he is sovereign, and we can trust him. His authority is unrivaled. It's unchallenged. It's uncontested. It's like God is the undisputed. You remember that when you're watching a boxing match? God is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, and that's good news for his followers. So um, God's in control. He's got ultimate power. He's seated on a throne. 
So we're just stuck with him. Is that it? Well, I wouldn't use the word stuck with him. I would say, thank God we're connected to him, right? <laughs> Listen to what Derek Kidner said. He, he wrote a great commentary on this psalm. And he said this, God's rule for all its formidable power is no tyranny. It's no tyranny. It is based on perfect knowledge, perfect control, and perfect love. So I hope that you don't feel threatened by this truth that God is sovereign and he alone is occupying the throne of the universe because he is not a tyrant, okay? Every other world leader, you want to go and explore, you want to do a fascinating study, you go read the biography or maybe not the autobiography because they'll be doctored up and cooked. They cook their own books. Go read an actual uh, biography of all the world rulers in the history of the world and you will see, my friends, that power corrupts people. It does. It's true. It, it corrupts people. But God's power is uncorrupted. It's pure. It's true. It's righteous. It's faithful. So that's why his sovereignty is not a threat to us. It's not a threat to us. So that's point one. Moving along here. Point number two is this for today, okay? That's the longest introduction I've ever done, by the way. We'll try to not do that again. <laughs> Point number one is God is sovereign. That's good news. Point number two, God is wise. God is wise. And this is where I really want us to camp out. And you're going to have to put your thinking hat on with me this morning as we go through this, as we go through this psalm together because I really want to take us to verse 8, okay? If you're looking for like the centerpiece of this psalm, it would be verse 8. This is what the entire verse is communicating. I want to read that to you. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That's one of the only commands outside of sing, rejoice, play your instrument, shout. This is the only other command in this entire psalm is stand in awe of God. And you know what it means? I know a lot of people here fear God, fear God, and they don't like that language because I think they misunderstand it. Fear does not mean cower and shake and be terrified of God, even though there's, there's a dynamic to that for unbelievers, right? For, for believers, fear the Lord means this. It means be overwhelmed by God's majesty and by his love and by his power and by his care. That's what it means. In fact, Jerry Bridges wrote one of the best books I've ever read on the fear of the Lord, and it's called The Joy of Fearing the Lord. And I want to read a quote from it. This is what he said. Many years ago, he said, I don't think we should ever be afraid of God in the sense of being afraid of something wild and unpredictable like a tornado or a sadistic bully, which is exactly how a lot of people think of God. It's not that kind of fear, Jerry Bridges writes. He says, God is not irrational or malicious. In fact, the passage which I often use to teach the fear of God, Jerry Bridges says, is Exodus 14, 31, and this is what it says. When the people saw what God had done to the army of Egypt, and you remember that, right? He plagued Egypt, and then he sunk all their chariots along with Pharaoh and the Red Sea. When the people saw what God had done to the army of Egypt, they feared the Lord, and they put their trust in him. See, that's what fear is. It's being so overwhelmed with the reality of the living God that you are placing your faith, your hope, your trust on him. You're no longer overwhelmed by things out there, right? Apart from God, you're overwhelmed by him. That's what God wants. That is what God not only wants, but demands from the world. That's what this Psalm says. God wants all the inhabitants of the world to fear him and to be overwhelmed by him. So I want to ask you a question. 
how is the world doing with that command? <laughs> How's the, how are you and I doing with that command? To fear God and to be overwhelmed by Him, just to be taken up and swept off our feet, astonished by Him. How are we doing with that? Because listen, God made you and God made me to be overwhelmed by something at all times. We're hardwired to be overwhelmed by something and we will find something to be overwhelmed by and we will attach ourselves to it just like a parasite does a host. And if it's not God, we will crush it or it will crush us. Those things that are not God that we get overwhelmed by, the Bible calls them idols. And, and because God loves us so much and because he's so wise, very often God will introduce things into our life. He can do it individually. He can do it nationally. God can even do it globally. He can introduce this divine disruption to remind you, hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm the most important reality in the world for you. And God's not doing that because he's a glory hog. I've heard that term used before. You know, God is doing that because it's best for us. If you're not attaching yourself to the fear of the Lord and being overwhelmed by him, your life at some point is going to come unraveled. It's going to come unraveled. So this is not just because God's up in heaven and he's a glory hog. This is God loving his creation, wanting what's best for all of us, and that is to be overwhelmed by him. That's why that's a command in this, in, in this psalm. God says, let all the earth be overwhelmed by me and be in fear of me. And it means to put your hope and your trust in God. Um, but as I said, how's that going? Lousy. Because the world's not doing that. And if we're honest, some of the times we're not in a pandemic like this. So often we find our hearts are not captivated by God, by his beauty and his sovereignty and his power. We're overwhelmed by the statistics, right? And it's interesting to me as you read this psalm, you read that verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. And then it changes. Something really strange gets introduced in this psalm. And I'm always looking for logic and flow and purpose and meaning when I'm studying the Bible. So this is, maybe some of this is, hopefully it's not Tommy reading into this or Tommy trying to take the pandemic and lay it as a template over the psalm. It's me trying to be faithful as a pastor because I see this God commanding all the earth to fear him and be overwhelmed by him. And the earth saying, no thanks, this is much more captivating over here. This is much more real and powerful to me than this is. And so how does God respond? I think this psalm is a really good pattern for how sometimes God responds. Because check this out. Look at verse 10. It says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. It's like all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's this divine disruption that comes in. And, you know, this is honestly the ESV is a little bit of a weaker translation of this verb. It, it, it says the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. You know what the word in Hebrew actually means? It means he breaks or he destroys the council of the nations. And it's interesting because verse 10 is in the sing, ver, excuse me. Verse 10 is in the uh, the singular. The Lord brings the council singular of the nations plural. He breaks and destroys them. But the next verse, the next part of verse 10 says he frustrates the plans, that's plural, of the peoples individually. So check this out. This is almost as if God says, "Be overwhelmed by me." Be in fear of me in the right way and magnify me and worship me and follow me. And the world says, no thanks, this is much more real to us. And so God introduces this divine disruption globally. He destroys the plans of the nations and individually he disrupts and frustrates the plans of the people. Now, I just find that incredibly interesting to study the psalm right now in the middle of a pandemic because have you, 
Have you ever in your life lived through anything like this? I mean, seriously, friends, just, just stop for a minute and take inventory. Just take inventory. They just canceled. Well, they didn't just cancel it. They canceled it weeks ago. The Summer Olympics in Tokyo canceled. Maybe they're rescheduled, but canceled is a more powerful word, okay? <laughs> so have you ever in your life lived through that? No, you haven't. They canceled that. They canceled every parade, every festival, every gathering. Even church services have to go live feed. I was reading a list last night because I do this for you to prepare these sermons for you. I read a list of all the national and global things that had been canceled. And, and you know the little scroll bar on the side? The smaller it is, the longer it is. I just gave up. It was like probably in the tens of thousands of things that have been canceled. And I could not help but go to this and think, here sits the Lord saying, be overwhelmed by me. And the world says, no, we're more captivated by this. And God says, I will break and destroy. Now, look, I'm not saying that this pandemic is divine judgment. I'm not saying that. It may very well be. I don't know. I don't know the secret decrees and counsels of God, but I know this. I know that everything that we see happening, God's sovereign over it. And very often, he introduces this divine global disruption to say, look, I'm hitting the pause button here. It's time to rethink everyone's life at a much deeper level. And friends, when that happens, we need to pay attention. I'm a father of six, and I can tell you this, my kids love watching their shows. And sometimes I need their attention, and they're not giving it to me. And you know what I do? I go, and I grab the remote control, and I hit pause. And man, you should hear the wailings <laughs> of my, some of my kids are really little. They're learning, we're training them. They don't like their plans to be interrupted, but when it is, and I say, now turn over here, and you look at me and you listen to me, because daddy's about to speak, and this is important, and you need to hear me. Sometimes God does that. It's his right to do it. It's his right to do it. He owns us. We are the sheep of his pastor, and God is on his throne, and he says, enough. It is enough. I'm turning down the noise. And I'm introducing this disruption globally. And listen, not just globally, not just, you know, St. Patrick's Day parades and Summer Olympics and every sporting event and ESPN. I mean, everything's paused. But listen, individually, I know people who had a wedding plan this, this month. And I want to weep with them. I do. I do. That's, and it's right. It's right to grieve over those things. But weddings and anniversaries and proms, people's individual plans. I have friends that scheduled a cruise. I talked to a friend of mine the other day, and they were celebrating, I think, their 14th or 15th wedding anniversary. And he said, Tommy, you know what we did? We got in our PJs, and we got in the SUV, and we drove through and got Mexican food. That was our 14th anniversary. Now, look, I know that sounds so trivial and so trite to say that, but that, hey, they had big plans for the anniversary. They were going to go on a cruise, but instead they got in their PJs, and they went through and got Mexican food, and nothing against Mexican food. I love it. But that wasn't their plans. Their plans got destroyed, didn't they? And I can guarantee you, if you are watching this or listening to this in some way, shape, form, or fashion, your plans got interrupted and destroyed too, didn't they? And maybe you're bitter about it. Maybe you're angry. I want to invite you to come up to the tower and see God's doing something here. And this is like a, this is like a, 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 a pause-worthy moment for all of us because I think God wants us to take inventory and look really deeply at the things that we've been hoping in and trusting in and banking our lives on. God does that. He does that. He invites us to join him and he says, look inside. Have you ever been to the hospital and gotten a CAT scan or a PET scan or a CT scan? I'm told that those things are very nerve-wracking and they're very costly, especially if you don't have insurance. And there's one thing you have to do, because you know a, a CT scan goes much deeper than an X-ray ever, ever will. 
it will show you what's on what's on the inside some things that are probably dangerous that's probably why you're there to get it anyway it's because something's not right something's not working right something's off kilter i don't feel right I, my health is off i need to look deeply on the inside and you know there's only one way i'm told that those things work and if it's your still you got to get still you got to quit moving around and friends i'm telling i'm just telling i'm trying to be honest as a pastor i have never looked out and seen humanity so busy and so distracted going here and going there and just it's it's insane it's insane and it's crazy and i think god and his love and in his sovereignty and listen god and his wisdom is saying look it is time to just stop and to do what psalm 46 says be still and know that i'm god you're not going to know i'm god unless you stop what you're doing and i'm going to wreck your plans because i love you that much and we're going to stop and I'm going to remind you, the, rea the biggest, most overwhelming reality to you right now is that I'm here and I made you to know me and to trust me and to find your hope in me. And man, if it takes a pandemic, I mean, that stinks, doesn't it? I didn't plan to be rationing toilet paper with my kids, did you? I didn't plan to be gathering for Easter on a live stream on Palm Sunday or Easter, did you? I didn't plan those things, but God did. And his plan stands, his counsel stands. And, and in his wisdom, he is calling us to trust him because God is always up to something, friends. I hope that you believe that. I hope that you see that in scripture. And I hope that you can sing about that. It's like, even during a pandemic, I can sing because I've got a God who is wise and he's sovereign and he's good. And it's something amazing is gonna come out of this if we let it. So let the CT scan do its work. And look inside because, listen, that's what's happening here. Verse 10, it says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his hearts to all generations. And then skip down to verse 13. Here's, here's where it gets really interesting. So God wrecks and frustrates everybody's plan. And we're doing a CT scan. And God is up in heaven. And he's on his throne. And he's looking down. And he sees everybody. And what is it that God sees? And what is it that he wants you and I to see? Well, I think this is what it is. Verse 13. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits in throne, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. What's he see? Verse 16. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. You hear the word great, great, great. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great mind, it cannot rescue. In Hebrew, it literally says, lie is the war horse for victory. You know what God sees, and you know what we, we need to see? We are banking our hopes on things that are going to disappoint us and that are going to deceive us, just like the ring of power in the Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry, I used my... I broke my wife's rule. That's it, though. It, it, these things will deceive you, and they're not all bad. Idols aren't bad. I can make an idol out of something really good and give it a godlike status and then crush it, and it, be, and it crush me. I think God is showing us we are placing our hopes in things that are going to ultimately disappoint us, and God loves us too much to let us continue that way. So listen, God is always up to something. What is it that he's up to? I don't know, but I know this. I believe in all my heart. God is sovereign, and you can use whatever word that you want from the Bible. God orchestrated this pandemic. God decreed this pandemic. I mean, the Bible uses words that make people cringe sometimes. 
It uses in Amos chapter 4, the Bible says this. This is actually in the Bible. If calamity befalls a city, has not the Lord done it? I mean, I know, man, if some, if some of you out there have loved ones and this pandemic hit them and took their life, man, that's hard, that's hard truth to hear. But it's good truth, too, because it reminds us God is sovereign over this, and God has introduced our entire population, 7 billion people right now, to this pandemic, and he's up to something. Um, I read this the other day. Um, one of my favorite blogs to read, it said this. This man said, if you have stood within a thousand feet of a pulpit the last five years, then you, you've likely heard a preacher say something like this. Quote, the pace of life we're living is unsustainable, end quote. And then this writer says, well, full stop. Here is your chance to make it sustainable. He says, you see, we have a break from the races we've all been running, don't we? We have been rescued from the tyranny of the urgent. What if, when all this ends, we do not willfully return to the cruel tyrant of the American family schedule? Also, given the gross amount of time we now have, how might we leverage it to build sustainable practices and set in family values or personal values of rest, deep dependence on God, and enjoyment of each other? Isn't that interesting, man? He's saying God has introduced this disruption for us to all stop, do a CT can, and just, and just consider, what am I doing with my life? Here's another verse for you, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14. This is, this is one of the most overlooked verses in the Bible. It says this. It says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider has not God created the one as well as the other so that mankind cannot figure out their own future? Isn't that interesting? When there's a day of prosperity, and haven't we had, ton haven't we had tons of prosperity? My friend that I talked to the other day, he's also a financial advisor, and I uh, said, my friend, I bet that your phone is ringing off the hook right now with people that are panicking. Do I need to diversify my portfolio? Do, my, do I sell my 401k? What's going on with these stock shares? And he said, Tommy, it's really interesting. Because three months ago, the United States was on the top of the world. Greatest economy probably we've seen in, in hundreds of years. He said, just yesterday when the Dow Jones closed, we're, we've lost like 33% of our market value. And I have no clue what any of that means. It just sounds bad to me, right? <laughs> it sounds bad to me. Um, that, but it's, it's good. It's good that, that God is introducing um, an opportunity for us to to uh, just take inventory in our own heart and say, look, I'm, I'm divided right now. I'm distracted. There's all these things going on, um, and, and I have just lived in prosperity. Yeah, that's where I was going. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. Hey, economy's on top of the world, right? And then adversity, what do we do? Panic? No, I, I don't think you have to panic. I think God wants you to stop and to consider. It's like, man, like James chapter 4 talks about. We will... We will Today and tomorrow we will go and we will buy and we will sell and we will make a profit. And the Bible says, don't be foolish, don't be presumptuous. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will go into this or that city and sell and buy and make a profit. I think God wants us to just all slow down. He always does that. And, and think about repentance, really. I know that's a bad word to a lot of people. But listen, if God has commanded the whole world to be in awe of him and to fear him, and we've been distracted with all these lesser glories, 
and God introduces this divine disruption like a pandemic, what is it that God wants to bring about from this? I believe it's repentance. And repentance is just a word that means return to God. Return to God. Don't be so enamored with all these other things. Return to the reality of the living God that he loves you. He cares about you. He should be at the center of your world. Listen, God is like the sun of our solar system. When he is at the center, everything's in its proper orbit, man. But when you put something else in the center of that solar system, man, like there's this global disruption that happens. And things disintegrate and they fall apart. I think that's what God is after here. Psalm chapter 86 verse 11 says this. It says, unite my heart to fear your name. Now that is a very serious prayer for the psalmist to pray and for any of us. Because do you realize what you're asking God to do? If you say, Lord, would you please unite my heart so that I can fear you? Do you know what the implication is? You're not fearing God because your heart is divided right now into a million in two million places. I gotta go here, I gotta go there, I gotta meet this demand, I gotta keep this schedule. It's interesting to me that God like says, no, you're keeping my schedule. Your schedule's wrecked right now. It's wrecked. I asked my wife the other day, we had the best conversation. I said, honey, I wanna ask you a question and, and I'm not being silly or, or trying to be preacherish, but if you had all the power in the world to do whatever you wanted, what would you do right now? And she said, what? And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm serious. You could do anything. You could start things. You could stop things. You could speak things into existence. You could take things out of existence. Basically, you're God, okay? You don't ever want to ask, hey, if you were God, what would you do? And I said, but seriously, you could do anything you want. What would you do? And I want to invite you, wherever you're at right now, think, think about that. Because this is, I think Christians need to think about things like this. Because if I were God <laughs> right now, I would want to say, you know what? I'm going to just kill this pandemic, man. This virus is going away. Like not, not one more person. I don't know if you've watched the, the, the clock. that we, I have a, a website that I've gone to, and it shows the statistics of people that are testing for coronavirus, for COVID-19, and our confirmed cases, and the death, uh, the death statistic, and then the over, and those numbers are always changing, kind of like the world deficit clock, if you've ever seen that thing. Like if I were God, I would want to be like, bip, you're done. Bye-bye, COVID-19. You're done. Not one more person is going to be infected by you or die. Not one more person is going to suffer. In fact, while we're at it, tell you what, let's just end all the suffering in the world. Let's eradicate poverty. Let's destroy cancer. And the devil's still alive. He's still alive. Why is he still alive? I'm going to kill the devil too. Now, I say all that not to be silly or trite, but do you understand that God can do all of that anytime he wants? He can do any of that and all of that, but he hasn't. Have you ever thought this before? I'm just being honest today. Have you ever thought, man, God sure does waste a lot of good power. If I was God, if I was God, man, I'd put things right in this world. No, you know what you would do? You would absolutely wreck this world because this, this passage is telling us God's counsel will stand. I was telling our staff the other day, there's a parable that Jesus told and it's about this landowner that goes out and he's sowing seeds in his field. And uh, he's done for the day and he goes home, but in the middle of the night, an enemy came and he sowed tares along with the wheat. And so in the morning, all the servants went out there and behold, the wheat had came up, but the tares came up with it, right? There was evil mixed in with the good. And do you remember the question they asked the landowner? They said, look, master, do you want us to rip out and, and out uproot all of these tares? And the landowner said, no, don't do that because you'll harm the wheat. Isn't that interesting, man, in that parable? Jesus is saying... The, now, now, you, you got to think deep with me. 
God is saying, for my purposes for humanity, it's better for now that evil remains and that suffering remains and that pandemics happen and that evil takes place. And I know that's hard, like cancer and COVID-19. Don't remove them because you're going to harm my people that are out there. All that to say this, we talked about God's sovereignty, and now today we're talking about God's wisdom. There is a very good reason why there is a pandemic wrecking the planet right now. And we're going to have to trust God, friends. He has a very good reason for it. And if we were God, we would mess this world up so bad. But God is saying, look, I'm trying to help you have a united heart so that you can fear me and be overwhelmed with me. That's always what God is after. He's always after repentance. And repentance is not a dirty word. That's a blessing. The Bible says, repent so that seasons of refreshment may come to you. Repentance always is attached to these amazing promises of blessing. So that's the CAT scan. You know, Charles Spurgeon once said this for things like sicknesses and viruses and tragedies and suffering. He said, they're all like waves that just smash us against Jesus. And he said this, he said, so kiss the wave that smashes you against the rock of ages. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> whatever it takes, God says, I love you so much that whatever it takes, I'm going to get your attention. And if it takes a pandemic, then by all means, God will go there to get your attention and to, like a father with his child, hit the pause button and turn your face and say, I'm here and I care about you. And if you continue at this unsustainable life that you're living, you're going to come unraveled and you're going to disintegrate. You need to get back to being overwhelmed by me and to be in fear of me and to leave all these false things behind. And by the way, those verses that talk about horses and soldiers and, and armies, you know, those were just like capital gains uh, during the time this was written. That's what you bragged about. If you were a king, you were like, hey, you want see my army? Look how big it is. Look how many people I got. Look how many soldiers are down there. Look at my horses. Look at my chariots, man. If a battle comes, I'm, I'm like stalked to the hill. I got clout. So we could fill in and, and make this contemporary and modernize it. What is it that you're, that you're, when the Lord is seated in the heavens and he's looking down, what is he seeing that you're overwhelmed by and that you're trusting in? What's your hope in? Because God is giving us this historical moment, this global moment for everybody to say, okay, okay, God, okay, you got my attention. I'm hoping in things that are vain. And I'm living my life right now at an unsustainable pace. And you've got my attention and help me to repent, Lord. Grant me repentance. Because listen, guys, God's rule is not tyrannical. He's not being a tyrant right now. God is showing you love and patience and affection. And he's inviting you to come back to him. To come back to him. God wants your heart. That's what God's after always. My son, the proverb says, give me your heart. That's what God wants. He wants your and my heart to be overwhelmed and swept up into his love. We, God needs to be back in the center of our lives. That's where he's always been wanting to go. And then, uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this last point really quick, okay? Because the first point was God is sovereign. Three-legged stool, right? God's sovereign. God's wise. And the third one is this. God loves you and he cares for you. And you see that in this verse. Check this out. It says, verse 18, right after God says, Behold, the war horse is a false hope. Man, you can underline that in your Bible. False hope. How many false hopes are we attached to right now? Get rid of them. Attach to God. And this is what it says, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who hope in his steadfast love. Here's a little interpretation nugget for you. Anytime you read the words, 
steadfast love in the Old Testament, just think gospel because that's what it means, okay? It's God's one way, unconditional, unconditional, just made up a new word, unconditional, never stopping, never giving up, always unbreaking forever like Sally Lloyd-Jones, Jesus storybook, <clears throat> Jesus storybook kind of love, okay? So God is, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in a steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. And then verse 20, check this out. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. And then it ends with this prayer. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. God's steadfast love is going to chase you. It's going to follow you. That's what tempers all these other attributes. Not only is he sovereign and powerful, and in control, but God loves you. You don't have anything to fear except, I guess, fear itself, right? You don't run away from this God. You run to him. God is standing with open arms right now, inviting the whole world to repent and to come to him and saying there is nothing but rest and reprieve and affection and peace for you here. You know, St. Augustine uh, said in his confessions, uh, our hearts, O Lord, are restless until they find their rest in thee. Is your heart restless right now? I mean, man, maybe this is a strange and, and mysterious blessing to so many people that they are locked down right now and you are stay at home and, and you've got to face yourself and the reality of who are you right now? Think more deeply about your life. I think that's what God is inviting all of us to do and, and he loves us. Um, and these promises are for, are for you and for me. This psalm, these promises are, are for you and for me. I love... Martin Luther, my favorite reformer I told you about earlier, and his melancholic friend, uh, Philip Melanchthon. When Melanchthon was brooding and he was disappointed and, and anxious about the way the Protestant Reformation was going, Martin Luther wrote him a letter. Now listen to this. This is incredible. He said, Melanchthon, I pray for you very earnestly, and I am deeply pained that you keep sucking up cares like a leech and thus rendering my prayers vain. Christ knows whether it comes from stupidity or the Holy Spirit, but, but I, for my part, am not very much troubled about our cause. Indeed, I am more hopeful than I expected to be. God, who is able to raise the dead, is also able to uphold his cause when it is failing, or to raise it up again when it has fallen, or to move it forward when it is standing. If we are not worthy instruments to accomplish that purpose, he will find others. And then check this out. If we are not strengthened by his promises, where in all the world are the people to whom these promises apply? Did you hear that last part? If we are not strengthened by these promises, then who in the world is God making these promises to then? Listen, friends, this promise is for you and it's for me. And God's eyes are filled with affection for you. But I want to tell you about another set of eyes in the world right now. The eyes of unbelievers, they are filled with curiosity right now, okay? Because if, if the truths of these psalms are resonating in your heart and you're singing these, you have a very strange hope that the world does not understand, but they're watching. They're watching you. And listen, our mission as Grace Life Church and as believers has not changed in this pandemic. We are the insiders who exist for the outsiders, and they are watching us. They're watching, they're listening, they want to see what our hope is in. And if it's in God, they're curious. They don't understand it. You remember Paul and Silas were in prison in Acts chapter 16 uh, in a Philippian jail. 
And in the middle of the night, they burst out singing hymns. And the Bible says this. It says, and the prisoners heard them. <laughs> the prisoners heard them. If we can sing praises, metaphorically, okay, during a pandemic and we can be at peace, the world is watching and they want to know how is it that their life can be so wrecked right now and they can still be at a place of peace. And Peter, uh, Peter is writing to Christians and he says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and with fear. Isn't that interesting? People are curious about this hope and they want to know. And here's a, uh, here's a C.S. Lewis quote. When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. That's C.S. Lewis. Um, well, listen, we, we've gotten plenty of truth up in the tower to, to uh, recalibrate our heart and to think about and have the big picture. I want to give you just one more thing. I want to give you one more thing to think about, okay? Because we're talking about the Lord's counsel, the Lord's plans. He frustrates the, the plans of the people. You know, whenever Jesus was in Jerusalem, after Palm Sunday, he walked in and he started fulfilling his last week of life and ministry. Um, the plan that unfolded was unlike any the world had ever seen. And it was frustrating to his disciples. They didn't get it. It was frustrating to the secular authorities and religious leaders. They didn't get it. But it was God's plan and it stood, right? And much, much later in Acts chapter 4, you can read the apostles talking to one another, Peter preaching, them praying, and they said something very interesting in chapter 4. Uh, and I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to close with this. They said, Lord, truly, truly, in Jerusalem, in your holy city, you gathered together Pontius Pilate and Herod and the Gentiles and the Jews to do whatsoever your hand had predetermined and predestined and planned to take place. And what was that plan? It was for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to be murdered, to stand in our place as a divine substitute, right? And face the wrath of God. You know, this psalm says, he is my shield, he is my help. You know what a shield does? It protects you from things. It protects you from things so that you can be fortified and go out into the battle. Shields aren't for cowards. Shields are for soldiers. And listen, by his death and burial and resurrection, we're gonna celebrate next week, that was the plan of God, and, and, and it frustrated the plans of everyone else, but that was the plan that stood, and thank God for that, because we don't always know what God is doing, but he does, and you can, you can rest assured it's best for us, and it's best for his glory, and we're going to close with that, and we're going to do something now that we do every week in our church. Uh, we have a what we call a Selah moment and a song of reflection where you can just really stop what you're doing, which is what this psalm, I believe, calls us to do. And, and, and hit the pause button and just reflect for a minute and pray and, and just rehearse these truths in your mind and heart. So Kyle, are you gonna come and, and, and play a song for us? And then we're gonna have some announcements in the charge. So I'm gonna pray and Kyle's gonna come and do our song reflection real quick. Lord Jesus, thank you for these truths. You are sovereign, you are wise, you are good. Help us to wait on you. Help us to hope in your steadfast love. Help us to just invite you. Show us, Lord. Do this CT scan on our heart. Show us where we have misplaced hopes. Show us where we have been overwhelmed by false realities and placed our, our trust and our hope in things that can't deliver. Uh, and bring us back to you, Lord. Grant us repentance. If that's what we need right now, help us to turn from these vain and, and worthless things. Um, they're not bad in and of themselves, Lord, but
that they become bad when we bank all of our hopes and trust on them and help us return to you, Lord. And, and, and may we find a welcoming God with a smile, not who's going to slap us, Lord. Uh, the Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance. May your goodness draw us in as we consider these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This song is a perfect song for um, just focusing on the bigger picture. It's, it is well with my soul. And um, the second verse goes, Though Satan should buffet, though sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well with my soul. So just pray that and just remind yourself of that this morning as we do this song.
all focused on the on the bigger picture, Lord, and just help us help us realize that you are in control of, of everything, God, and there's nothing that happens that you are not aware of, Lord. I pray that you help us remember that and help us remember that whatever happens, God, us who are in Christ, it is well with our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. of announcements for you today. Um, first, if you'd like to stay connected with us, don't forget to um, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll get notifications on when we're going live and also posting new videos. Um, this week we've got another new children's ministry video going up, so if you have kids at home, you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Um, we will also be continually updating our social media accounts with any opportunities to connect um, via Zoom or online so that we can all continue to pray with each other. So look out for that as well as our email newsletters. If you are not part of our email newsletters or texting uh, subscription and would like to be, you can email us at contact at gracelifeflorida.com. And then we just wanted to thank you um, for those who have just continued to support Grace Life and joining us on Sunday and in prayer and then also monetarily. Um, we do understand that this is a very difficult um, economic time for most and still you choose to give. Um, and we do have options to give online uh, through our website and the app um, for those of you had, who were just wondering how you could uh, continue uh, to give at this time. Um, so now we'll say our charge in closing. You want to follow along with me. I am a witness. I have been called to minister to my neighborhood in both word and deed. God has given me his word to equip me, his spirit to empower me, and his love to motivate me. I pledge my life for the gospel. You have been sent.